0: and welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie and I will be telling you some strange and unusual tales from the place I call home, Scotland. Before we get into it I would like to ask everyone listening to send in their strange or unusual experiences they do not have to have taken place here in Scotland or even relate to it. If you have any requests for future episodes or you just fancy a wee gab then please do not hesitate to get in touch. You can send us an email at scottishandscared at gmail.com and you can also follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod. Lastly, if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share the show wherever you may be listening to it. It really does help us out a bunch and a massive thank you to everyone who already has. Now, let's get into it. Hello my lovelies, apologies for missing a few weeks. I did have to have two wisdom teeth removed and I naively thought that I would be absolutely fine and fit to record a podcast. I did have to go under general anaesthetic, I had part of my jaw removed and I did have stitches so as you can imagine I was out of it for almost two weeks. also had toothache where there were no teeth so that was so much fun. The stitches are now out so I am back to full health and I am ready to tell you some ghost stories. Now before we get into it, I would like to remind you that the podcast will be attending HorrorCon Scotland in Aberdeen on the 21st of October this year. If you would like to grab some tickets, the link will be in the description. We will have a booth where you can come along and have a blether and grab a free goodie bag that will have some exclusive podcast merch, some amazing stuff from Scottish small businesses and some goodies from my very own tattoo artist. I will also be on a panel with fellow podcaster and good friend Don from the Scottish Murders podcast answering some of your questions. There is also an after party at the Tunnels Nightclub in Aberdeen which we will be attending so if you fancy a wee day out, you love horror or you would just like to come say hello, please go grab your tickets while you still can. The podcast now also has a website that my wonderful boyfriend built where you can find all of our links so head over there if you need anything or you can just drop us a wee email. Before I dive into it, just a wee reminder that I do have a puppy now. He is a sausage dog. He's called Reggie, and you may hear him clippity clopping in the background because if I put him in the other room, he will howl and bark until I give him attention. So here, clippity clop, that is all it is. It is we Reggie running about the room. Now today I'm going to be telling you all about a poltergeist case from 17th century Scotland. I had a lot of fun looking into this one, so I hope you do enjoy. This story takes us to a farm just west of the village of Auchincairn, known as Ringcroft of Stocking. Let me preface this by saying there was massive religious conflict here in Scotland during the 17th century which led to a lot of the witch hunts and made people extremely fearful of anything that could be perceived as evil or unexplained. You know the drill. The events that transpired took place in 1695 and spanned over three months. The activity ranged from very small, such as stones being thrown, to very extreme such as buildings being set ablaze and violent attacks on members of the household. At the time of the activity, the farm was occupied by a Mr Andrew Mackey and his family. Andrew was a mason and a farmer and all round known as a very pleasant man. Everything that took place on the farm was supposedly witnessed by 15 different people, one of whom was Reverend Alex Telfair who was born 1654 and served as Minister of Rherick from 1689. Now the reason that I mention Alex Telfer in particular is because he wrote and published a pamphlet in 1695 detailing every occurrence that took place during the three months that this entity was wreaking havoc the pamphlet was titled "A True Relation of an Apparition, Expression, and Actings of a Spirit, Which Infested the House of Andrew Mackie, in and Ringcroft of Stocking, in the Parish of Redick, in the stewardy of Kirkcudbright, in Scotland," which is a bit of a long title. Originally I was going to just read the pamphlet word for word for you but some of it is in Scots and I think some of our non-Scottish listeners might have a hard time understanding so I kind of just went through the account and tried to rewrite it as simply as I possibly could for you. So let's begin. When strange things began to occur at the farm, Andrew Mackey sought the help of Reverend Alex Telfer. As you can imagine the Reverend first wanted to speak with the family to see if he could figure out why this haunting was occurring in the first place. There were rumours that when Mackie took on the farm and began his work as a mason, he gave up his firstborn soul to the devil. Upon questioning, the Reverend concluded there was no truth to this rumour and like I said before, the Mackie family were known to be very honest and upstanding members of the community, so this was just put down to rumour. At one point, the family had been asked by a female friend to look after her things while she was away, but before she could come back to retrieve them, she sadly passed away. The Reverend was curious to know what these belongings were, if there was anything suspicious that she had left with them. No one in the household knew what was left by the woman, as they just took in the bag and never touched it again. But upon receiving the news of her passing, they delivered her belongings to some of her friends in the village. So that, again, was another dead end. They then discussed who had owned the farm before Mackie, and managed to track it back to a man by the name of McNaught. While Mick not occupied the property, he also reported having some issues with his health, as well as his goods. Not able to figure out why this was happening, he sent his son to a witchwife in a neighbouring village to find out what could have been the cause of these issues. But while the son was away, he bumped into some foreign soldiers and moved abroad to Flanders, so he sadly never got any answers. A couple of years later, a man named John Reddick from the same parish visited Flanders and met up with McNaught's son for a wee catch-up. During the exchange, McNaught advised Reddick that upon his return to the parish, he should go to the farm and advise his father or whoever may be staying there to lift the door threshold and search the earth until they found a tooth and burn it. If he did not, the home would forever be cursed. Nothing would thrive there. When Reddick returned from his travels, he did go looking for McNaught to tell him of his son's warning, but sadly he had passed away and his wife had fled the farm. So he kind of just left it at that and never really thought about this tooth business again. This was until years later he heard of the troubles the Mackey family were experiencing on the farm. He sought out the reverend and told him of this tooth. But it turned out that in the time between the McNaughts owning the property and the Mackeys owning it, there was a third man named Thomas Telfer who owned it for a short period. Somehow or another, he found out about the story and decided to have a look for himself. He dug up the door threshold and he did indeed find what looked like a tooth. He compared it to that of a human, horse, note and sheep, but couldn't figure out where or what this tooth had come from. As advised, he took it inside and threw it on the fire, where it burned like a candle for hours. Important to note that Telfer never had any bad luck or troubles while he was living there. It was simply curiosity that had pushed him to go looking for this tooth. So despite the Reverend doing an extensive investigation into the property's past and present, he was unable to explain why this haunting was occurring, and so follows the Mackie's experiences. The strange activity began in February 1695 when Mackey got up in the morning and went to check on his livestock to find them loose on the property with their bindings broken. He did find it a little odd but put it down to the livestock being unruly. Later that night he made stronger bindings but the following morning found them loose once more. He continued to make the bindings stronger and stronger but nothing seemed to be working. At that point he began to suspect that something nefarious was going on and removed the livestock completely from that area and placed them in a backyard close to the house. The next morning, he got up and went to check on them, where he found one of the animals tied by their hair to the back of the house. The hair was tied so tightly that the animal's feet were barely touching the ground and it was unable to move. A few nights after this, the family were peacefully asleep in their beds when they were awoken by the smell of smoke. They jumped up, alarmed, and found a circle of peat on the floor of the main room, which was set alight. They were able to put out the fire and nobody was harmed, although they were all completely terrified. On the 7th of March, as the family sat down to dinner, they heard what sounded like heavy rain hitting the house, which became louder and louder. When they went to check they seen large stones being thrown at the house hitting almost every window and every wall but could not see where they were coming from or who was throwing them and this continued for several days mostly during the night. The following Saturday the family left the farm for a wee day out and when they returned home in good spirits the children entered the home and saw a shape that resembled a body sitting by the fire with a blanket over it. As you can imagine, they froze in fear, except for the youngest child, who blessed himself and ran at the figure, pulling the blanket away to reveal a four-footed stool. On the 11th of March, several of the family's belongings disappeared. They searched the entire home, top to bottom, but were unable to find them. Four days later, all of the items reappeared on a counter that the family had searched several times but never saw the Tuesday after. The Reverend himself decided to go to the home and stay for a few days to support the family. While he was there, he prayed with them several times and the activity seemed to stop. At that point, the Reverend said a final prayer, satisfied that he had resolved the issue, and left. While he was standing outside having a conversation with some of the men working on the farm, he saw two little stones drop down onto the ground and then heard something hit the house. He went back inside to see what was going on and was then hit by several small stones which caused no injury. Things were pretty calm until the 18th of March when stones a lot greater and heavier in size were thrown at the reverend and the family, causing bruising and scrapes to a few of the children and this carried on into the 21st of March. That night the reverend stayed into the night and was hit several times by not only stones but by a large heavy wooden staff. The family and others who were present claimed to have heard the strikes on the Reverend's body from it. Later in the night, when the family had gone to bed, several of the children were attacked as they slept. The blankets were pulled from their beds and bruises appeared on their abdomens as if grabbed by something unseen. It was so intense that the Reverend kneeled by the bedside and prayed for the attacks to stop. But midway through his prayer, he felt something press against him and move up his arm. When he opened his eyes to look, he claims to have seen a small white hand and arm from the elbow down, but as quickly as he seen it, it was gone. Upon seeing this, he asked the family if they had ever seen any physical manifestation of this spirit that seemed to be haunting them. One of the Mackie's close friends swore that he had seen the figure of a young man with a red face and yellow hair standing in one of the windows. A few other friends, as well as children, also claimed to have seen the figure of a young man about 14 years old wearing grey clothes and a bonnet around the property but he would disappear before they had the chance to investigate. On the 22nd of March the activity became increasingly more violent with members of the family and neighbours being attacked with stones and staves to the point they were unable to to stay inside the house or anywhere near it. Andrew Mackey was inside when he was attacked leaving a small cut above his eyebrow. His hair was pulled and his skin was covered in scratches. It then dragged several people inside by their clothes about the stone floor, causing injuries. Later in the night, it would attack the children once again as they slept, dragging their blankets off and beating them as they screamed for help. This type of activity would carry on into the 2nd of April when it decided to speak. As the Reverend was saying his nightly closing prayer, the spirit would shout, "Wished." before he could finish every sentence now if you're not Scottish weeshed just means be quiet shut up that's what it means usually we say hodger wished. it's just our kind of version of shut up the spirit also whistled so loudly it caused the dog to bark and rushed to the front door as though it was being called the following day April 3rd Andrew Mackey decided he had had enough and needed some relief from the never-ending torture the spirit was putting his family through He travelled to Beutel to meet with several ministers. He told them of his hardship and asked them for help. Two of the ministers offered to come to the home and see what they could do. They spent the night praying and fasting, but the entity didn't take too kindly to this. As usual, it began to throw stones, some of them a half a stone in weight. One of the ministers suffered two bloody wounds to his head from the stones. It also pulled off his wig during prayer. The other minister was also hit by stones, but only had a few few bruises as a result it seemed to be most active during the time of prayer when it would cover everyone in the home with stones and even through a fiery peak to disturb the prayer now on the 5th of april things got a little bit dangerous it set fire to some of the thatched straw that was in the barnyard which was thankfully seen by andrew's wife and put out before it could cause any serious damage but on her way back to the home she stood on a stone at the front door that seemed a wee bit unsteady She had stood on this stone countless times every day, coming and going, and had never felt it this unsteady before. So she decided to come back in the morning when the sun was up and see what was causing it to wobble. When the sun came up, she went to investigate what was underneath the stone and found seven small bones, some of which still had blood and flesh attached. Completely terrified and confused, She left the bones at the house and ran a quarter of a mile down the road to Colin's home to tell him what she had found. In the time she was away from the home, the entity had thrown stones and fireballs within the home. I had even thrown a hot stone into one of the children's bed, which burnt through the blankets and bedclothes before it was taken out by the oldest child, but lay on the floor of the bedroom for an hour and a half before anyone could touch it due to the heat. Colin came back to the home with Mackie's wife and offered to remove the bones. He said a prayer, and as usual, he was hit by stones, but as soon as he lifted the bones, everything stopped, and when he took them from the home, everything was calm. The 7th of April, the entity set fires in the home, but thankfully, there were neighbours with the family, and they were able to put them out before they caused any injury or damage. Later that night, Andrew Mackey and his eldest son, were travelling back to the home when a few feet away from the house they saw a large bright light which appeared before them and moved towards the house quickly. The following day Andrew Mackey was out walking in the courtyard when he found a letter on the ground which was written and sealed in blood. The contents of the letter were essentially accusing an occupant of the household of murder but did not give a name. In order to find out the culprit, the family invited all members of the household, past and present, to come and touch the bones. If the alleged murderer were to touch the bones, it was claimed that they would ooze of blood. But after everyone touched them, nothing happened. At his wit's end... Andrew Mackey sent the letter and the bones to several ministers who were known to meet at Kirkudbright and as a result, five of them decided to go stay at the home, along with the Reverend Telfer. They spent most of the night praying and fasting and you guessed it, they were all hit with stones. The stones were so heavy that they created a whole thatch roof of the home as they rained down on everyone. It also broke down the barn door and smashed parts of the barn wall and attacked several of the ministers, pulling their legs away from them, scratching them and throwing stones. Over the next few days, the attacks continued, but the ministers were persistent and continued to pray. One of the neighbours decided to pay the family a wee visit and show his support. He brought a dead polecat that his dog had killed, and sat it on the ground just outside the home. The neighbour joined in with the prayers, and just as they started, the body of the dead polecat began to beat them by an unseen force and was thrown down in front of them, bloody on the floor. One of the men present was also grabbed and touched by unseen hands underneath his clothes, and he was so scared by the incident that he vomited and immediately left the property, vowing never to return. The attacks would continue, and on the 16th of April, the Mackies admitted defeat and decided to leave the home. This seemed to resolve the issues at the farm. The activity lessened and almost stopped completely, but due to some issues that came up with the livestock still at the property, the Mackies did go back in order to solve these issues. The first few days were fine, they had no disruption and seemed to be overjoyed that things had gone back to normal. Looking up, the activity started up again. The rock throwing began, fires were set all over the farm, mud was thrown in the faces of those saying prayer and people were attacked with sticks. For the second time, the entity spoke to the family. It screamed at them cursed at them, called them witches and told them they were all going to hell. For the first time Mackie decided to speak to the voice after hearing it say thou shalt be troubled till Tuesday. He asked who gave the commission and it answered God gave me a commission and I am sent to warn the land to repent for a judgment is to come. If the land do not quickly repent and commanded him to reveal it upon his peril and if the land did not repent, it said it would go to his father and get a commission to return with a hundred worse than itself and would trouble every particular family in the land. It then went on to ask Mackie to worship him and all of his troubles would be gone. But convinced that the entity was the devil, Maki refused the offer, said a prayer and the next day the house was set on fire seven times although all seven times they did manage to put it out. A beam in the house was then destroyed, which made it dangerous for the family to be inside, so they moved everyone out into the barn. But the activity followed them. During the night, while the family were asleep, one of the children was dragged from their bed by the neck and shoulders. The entity then picked up a stump of a tree and held it above the heads of the children, screaming, If I had commission, I would brain them. The following day the fires continued with Andrew Mackie running around the property trying to put them all out. And while he was in the barn cleaning up, he heard the entity call to him. Andrew, Andrew. But he paid it no mind, which made it very, very angry. It screamed at him to speak. But once again, Andrew ignored it. Frustrated, it screamed at him. Be not troubled, you shall have no more trouble except some casting of stones upon Tuesday to fulfil the promise, take away your straw. Tuesday came and everyone was in the barn. They all joined in prayer and a member of the group noticed a black shape in the corner of the barn. As the prayer continued, the shape grew and grew and became darker and darker until it filled the entire room. The shape had no features but was described as a cloud. It then went on to attack several members of the group, It hit them with stones, mud, grabbed them, dragged them, scratched them and beat them throughout the night. The following day being the 1st of May, the sheep house was set ablaze. Thankfully, the sheep were able to escape and none of them were harmed, but the building was burned to the ground. And then, suddenly, it stopped. Everything stopped and a sense of calm came over the farm. Understandably sceptical, the family and people present were preparing for the worst to return. But it never did. And that, folks, was the end of the activity at the Ringcroft. Nobody knows what caused the haunting. Nobody knows why it suddenly stopped. But I think we can all agree that it is a very interesting story. So what do you think? Do you think that the family were tortured by a demon? Or do you think that there was some mischief maybe going on? Like I said at the start, there was a lot of religious conflict going on in Scotland at the time of this incident. And considering that the main people responsible for making this story public were religious figures, it could be a case of scaremongering, trying to prevent people from mingling with the devil and turn to God. I've read so many stories like this that take place during this time period and I'm pretty sure that I've covered some of them. And they're all very eerily similar. The stone throwing, the fires and the dark figures. So who knows? Maybe the devil was in Scotland being a menace or maybe... It's just a good story. But let me know what you think, people. I would love to hear it. And if you have any cases like this that you would like me to look into, pass them over to us. These are the stories that I love telling you. So throw them all my way. That is all I have for you today. I will be back Sunday with another haunted castle. I hope you all have a great weekend and make the most of the Scottish sun if you are Scottish, of course. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Stay weird. Stay scared. Bye, folks.